Parenting is often lived in the extremes. It's either great joy or chaotic overwhelm. In one moment you're nailing it and the next you're losing your cool. I want to help you find your way to the messy middle, to a place of balance. You see, balance is a verb, not a state of being. It is a thing you do, not a thing you are. It is an action, a process, a series of micro-corrections that you make each and every day to keep yourself feeling centered. We are never truly balanced. We are engaged in the process of balancing. Hello, I'm Dr. Laura Froyan, and this is the Balanced Parent Podcast, where overwhelmed, stressed out, and disconnected parents go to find tools, mindset shifts, and practices to help them stop yelling at the people they love and start connecting on a deeper level, all delivered with heaping doses of grace and compassion. Join me in conversations that will help you get clear on your goals and values and start showing up in your parenting, your relationships, your life with open-hearted authenticity and balance. Let's go. Hello, everybody. This is Dr. Laura Froyan. Today, we're going to be talking about the importance of repair in relationships. Repair attempts are something that I learned about while I was getting my PhD in human development and family studies with a specialization in couple and family therapy. And these are one of the things that we teach that the couples therapists teach couples how to do, but I also teach my relationship uh, coaching clients how to do this too. So that's what we're talking about today. So I want you to know right now from the very beginning that all couples have fights. It is a natural, normal part of any human relationship. It's something that's unavoidable. You really can't avoid it. And even the couples that are doing the best, that are thriving and objectively look like they're doing great in marriage, they have fights too. They have times where they make mistakes. They have times when they engage in destructive conflict tactics, things like complaining or criticizing one another, getting defensive or stonewalling or shutting down a conversation. Even the best couples do these things, okay? The difference between couples who are thriving in their marriage and couples who are probably not going to make it is the fact that the couples who are thriving repair. They make conscious attempts to reconnect with their partners, to de-escalate and stop fight from where it comes from going into this negative spiral and get it moving back up into a positive direction that's reaffirming and keeps the couple growing closer rather than making them feel more distanced and pulled apart. So how do we do this, right? We do this with repair attempts. And they are any statement or action that a person takes that is intended to diffuse tension and get a conversation or a disagreement going back on a more neutral or connecting path. They can range from things like asking to take a break so that you can come back to a disagreement later, a heartfelt apology, clarifying your feelings and asking for validation or affirmation, asking for affection. So there's lots of different ways that couples engage in repair strategies. And what's really interesting about them is that what the research shows on repair strategies is that it's not the actual strategy that is most effective or the strategy that is important in making sure that the repair attempt is effective. 
it's the foundation relationship that is what's so important. The quality of the relationship, the con context, the relational context in which the repair is being attempted that makes the difference for whether or not a repair attempt is going to be successful. And so I really think it's super important for us to get really clear on that because that brings up this really important idea of that we need to be nurturing the relationship. If we want to be able to be a thriving couple who are able to weather the storms of life together, who are able to have disagreements and repair and reconnect afterwards, then you have to have a firm foundation to fall back on. And so that's the first thing that I wanted to talk about. And we hear about this lots in parenting. The term that Dr. Laura Markham uses is preventative maintenance, that we intentionally fill the bucket of our children so that when we have to have a negative interaction, we have that positive connection, that positive relationship to fall back on. We need to intentionally do this with our couple, our, our partners, or with other significant relationships. This works with our adult parents, with our siblings, with our friends. If we in a relationship is important to us, then we have to invest in filling that emotional bank account, making regular deposits into that emotional bank account so that when things get hard, when we make a mistake, when we've been negative or hurtful towards them, we have something to fall back on. And so preventative maintenance is really important in a relationship. But at the very base of it is, is that repair attempts simply have more clout when a relationship's foundation is strong. So if your repair attempts lately have been falling flat or have been not working so well, take a look at your couple friendship and if it's been see if it's been getting that time and attention that it really needs to be flourishing. Okay, so that's the kind of the thing that you need to do on the front end, really be making those deposits into your emotional bank account with your partner so that you have something to fall back on during hard times. Okay, the next one is taking a break. This is something that with all of my coaching clients where we're working on their relationship, this is where we start. We start on learning to take a break, recognizing in your body the feeling of needing to take a break and taking it when you need it. Not in a way to avoid, not in a way to stonewall or divert a conversation, but really noticing, look, I'm getting triggered. My heart rate is going up. My face feels flushed. My thoughts aren't coming smoothly to me right now. I'm saying things that I don't mean. Those are all indicators that you need to take a break before you get hurtful. And asking for a break is a repair attempt in and of itself. It's signaling to your partner, hey, this is important to me and you are important to me. And so let's take a break. We'll come back to it when we can be better with each other when we can really come to this conversation as our best selves. So asking for a break is crucial to having constructive disagreements with your partner. Now, what you do during the break is also crucial. So you are supposed to be, during these breaks, you are supposed to be calming and soothing your nervous system. We need a break in a disagreement because these relationships are important to us. And when something's important to us, we get triggered when we are angry or if our feelings have been hurt. If a relationship is really meaningful, we get even more triggered. And so that means our nervous system is on high alert and we're not thinking clearly most of the time. And so the goal here is to calm our nervous system down. And you cannot do that if you are rehearsing all of the things you said and how you could have said it better, or if you're, you're rehearsing all the hurtful things they said and how it's all their fault. So you really need to be mindful about what you're doing in your brain during this break. For some people, that means 
going to a place and drawing or coloring or meditating or doing a little bit of yoga or going outside for a hard, fast run that takes your mind off of it and gets that energy out or soothes that energy, soothes that nervous system. And then there's also a responsibility to get clear in your mind about what happened during that disagreement and what you own for it. Not, we're not talking about picking apart what they did or what they're saying, but getting clear on what you need. What were your feelings? So we just had a fight over how to fold fitted sheets. Was this really about the fitted sheet or was this about my need to feel seen and heard and valued in our home? You know, so really getting to the core of these issues. The other thing you really want to make sure that you're doing is thinking about yourself and your partner with compassion and grace, really focusing on that during that break time and re-centering yourself around the idea that you have committed to this person, that you love them and that they love you. And so the, we're going to assume the best of each other. We're going to assume the best of ourselves and assume the best of each other. We are not gonna rehearse the fight. We are not going to repeat all of the things that were said. We are gonna let those things go and come back to the heart of the matter. We are also not going to engage in negative storytelling. Our brains tell us stories all the time. Our brain is interpreting things all the time. And most of the time, they are based in old scripts from the past that have nothing to do with what's happening in the present in this current relationship. And so being really clear with yourself in this moment when you're taking the break and getting your mindset right to come back to the discussion. Okay, so then when you come back, it's so important to apologize. Uh, if you've said something hurtful, even if you are the one who's been hurt and in your hurt, you were in return hurtful, you were defensive or you acted out in some way, an apology is so important and it needs to be sincere and done correctly. And there actually is a right way to apologize, which I'll just talk about very briefly. So the, the correct way to apologize is expressing remorse, acknowledging the wrong and taking responsibility for it. So this means making it clear that you understand what it was that you did wrong, why it was wrong. So the recognizing and acknowledging and taking responsibility. One of the reasons this is so hard is because sometimes when it comes to an apology, we feel like we have to give ourselves up. We have to give our position up. And when we have this righteous indignation, the sense of I am right, I'm in the right here, it's really hard to think about giving that up. And I want to just challenge you. The next time you're in one of those situations with your partner or the friend or a colleague at work or even your six-year-old uh, happens to me with my strong-willed six-year-old. I want you to think about, is my relationship with this person more important than my feeling of being right? And do I have to, do I actually have to give anything up, any of my integrity, any of my feeling of being right in order to recognize and see the humanity of the person before me and the, that they're deserving of love and compassion and respect. I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive at all. I think we get stuck in this either or thinking like either I'm right and he's wrong or he's right and I'm wrong. And it really doesn't have to be that black and white. Um, we get stuck into this place that there is a truth with a capital T, an absolute truth. And I argue that getting caught up on seeking that truth and finding that truth and needing someone to validate our truth is where we get stuck. Truth is in the eye of the beholder. So we all have a truth that is our truth. And it, lots of the times in these disagreements where if we're really holding on to being right, 
there's something deeper there. There's something under that sense of being right. There's something um, that needs looking at, okay? And I am this way. I am the person who likes to be right in my family and in all my relationships. I think my sister, I think she knows. And it's a constant battle for me to put the need to be right and whatever that's validating for me to put that behind the value that I put in my relationship, okay, with whoever I happen to be interacting with. So that's really important and understanding that you don't have to give up your truth in order to give an apology. So you can heartfeltly and sincerely express remorse for hurting someone without it taking anything away from your perspective. And you can also acknowledge that you were wrong to do things that were hurtful and take responsibility for your own actions without having to say, kind of give up any of your perspective or your peace. And you can even make amends. You can even ask how you can make it right without having to give up that truth. Okay, let's see. How do you divorce yourself from the idea that this truth is representative of who you are as a person? Oh, this is a big question. And this is a question you can explore with a therapist or with a coach and could probably spend years (laughs) on. But there was likely some point in time where this piece, this truth that you're talking about became a core part of your identity. And it feels like someone in your life right now is asking you to give up who you are at your very being. And that feel doesn't feel good. Nobody likes to be asked to give up who they are. Instead of divorcing yourself from that idea, I would ask your partner to explore it with you. Being able to be curious with that piece of yourself, either on your own or with your partner, being able to say to your partner, this is coming between us. I there There's this thing that, and when we try to talk about it, it feels like an attack on me. It feels very personal. And I know, I know you aren't attacking me because I know you love me being really confident in their love for you and asking them to help you explore it, I think would be beautiful to do together or doing that on your own too. But yes, it, it is hard to do that. And I think one of the biggest things you can do is come to a differentiated place of this is my truth and it doesn't have to be someone else's truth. Okay, so this is a truth that means a lot to me, that is the core of my being, and it's my truth. And I don't have to impose that truth on anybody else, and no one else has to validate that truth for me in order for it to still be true for me, right? I don't need anybody else. If this is my truth, I don't need anybody else to say that it's true because it's mine and I'm owning it. Does that make sense? I hope it does. I hope that that's helpful. Okay. So we were talking about apologies and how it's so important when you are apologizing to be honest and straightforward and still hold space for your truth, right? So you don't actually have to give up your perspective in order to apologize and own your piece of what happened in the disagreement. Okay. So that's what's, I think, really an important part of apologizing. And then the the next piece of repairing. So repair attempts can either happen in the moment, in the midst of a disagreement, and they can look a lot of different ways. So they can be make cracking a joke with each other. So In my relationship, I tend to be controlling and critical. Like it's just my natural setting. Unfortunately, I'm working on it, work in progress, right? But my go-to repair attempt is when I catch myself stuck in one of those patterns where I'm being a perfectionist and being controlling and being critical of myself and others, I joke about myself. 
I, I say something like, oh, there I go again. Like, and I, I lighten the mood with it and it gives me space to admit my humanness, admit that, that I'm not perfect. And we are all able to kind of come to a place and then I'm able to soften and apologize. A trigger for me in my relationship is that my partner isn't very good at apologizing. Um, I, we usually have to work a long time to get an apology that feels good for me. He usually wants to just say, oh, you're right, I shouldn't have done that. Or, oh, you're right, I should have said that and then let it go. And I really need like the part where like you understand and validate my perspective. You don't have to agree with it. You don't have to say it's right, but you do have to say like, wow, that must have felt really hurtful when I said X, Y, and Z. I never want to hurt you. And I'm very sorry I said that. You know, so that's like a good apology. Without having like notice in that apology, he never said, you're right and I'm wrong. I don't need to hear that. Most of us don't need to hear that. And if we do, there's work there that needs to happen. But the apology needs to be heartfelt where we're understanding and validating why it was hurtful and why it really shouldn't happen again. And there's no room for excuses or, you know, those types of things in there. You, we don't want to um, be doing that in the middle of the apology. Um, if you need to explain yourself, that can happen after when you're reconnected. And so after the disagreement is over and you've come to some sort of resolution about it, um, and we can talk about problem solving skills and, um, you know, collaborative problem solving in another point in time, if that's a topic you want to hear more about. Um, but right now we're just talking about the reconnecting afterwards. So after that, that repair has been made, we figured out the disagreement, we resolved it, then we need to reconnect. Uh, and this is really important to do. You can talk with your partner about how you like to reconnect best. If you know your partner's love language, that's a really good way to figure out exactly how it is they like to be reconnected with after a disagreement that maybe has been put a little bit of strain on the relationship. So you need to reconnect physically often, holding hands, embracing, kissing, hugging, in whatever way you can. And um, also you need to reconnect emotionally. You need to reaffirm your commitment to one another. Uh, you need to reassure uh, each other that although you know you're human and that you've made mistakes, that you're working on it and you're constantly growing and getting better and that you're both working on ways to improve. And so I think that those things, that reconnection, both the physical and the emotional reconnection is really important. And that di differs for every couple. It can be a lovely conversation to have. And during a time when you haven't had a disagreement, being able to kind of meta communicate about how you communicate with each other. So after we've had a disagreement, what do you like? How do you like to come together? For some people, it's having in tender or intense uh, lovemaking sessions. For some people, it's sitting next to each other without even saying anything. Um, for some people, it's holding each other. For some people, it's expressing gratitude for one another. I know for me and my partner, after we've had a more intense disagreement, and it definitely happens, we thank each other for sticking with it, um, sticking it out, not kind of escaping or fleeing. And we express gratitude that we are doing this with each other, that we are the person that we've chosen to do with each other. So figuring out the way you reconnect, having a conversation about it. I know that that's not terribly romantic, isn't it? Wouldn't it be lovely if we just knew intuitively how each of us wants to be reconnected with and how each of us wants to be repaired with, but we, we don't always. And if you're missing the mark, if things aren't lining up, just talk 
you can talk to your partner about it. You can get in this meta communication place with them where you're communicating about communicating with each other. Get to this next level with them where you're like, I've noticed when we've been having disagreements lately and I've been cracking a joke in the past that that used to really help, but it's not helping so much. What's going on? And check in with them on those things. You can talk about repairs. You can, they don't have to be something that's mysterious. You can bring it out into the light. So I would really love to challenge you guys today to sit down with your partner or someone else who's important with your life, who maybe you've been a little bit more conflictual with lately, or maybe you haven't. And I want you to talk about how you repair and how you reconnect, how you like it, how each of you would prefer it to go, all of those things. I'd like you to talk about it. And I would love for you to report back. All right. I think that that was it. And I I hope you have a lovely, wonderful rest of your week. Okay. So thanks for listening today. Um, remember to subscribe to the podcast and if it was helpful, leave me a review that really helps others find the podcast and join us in this really important work of, um, creating a parenthood that we don't have to escape from and creating a childhood for our kids that they don't have to recover from. And if you're listening, grab a screenshot and tag me on Instagram so that I can give you a shout out. Um, and definitely go follow me on Instagram. I'm at Laura Froyan PhD. Um, that's where you can get a behind the scenes look at what balanced conscious parenting looks like in action with my family. And plus I share a lot of other really great resources there too. All right. That's it for me today. I hope that you keep taking really good care of your kids and your family and each other, and most importantly of yourself. And just remember balance is a verb and you're already doing it. You've got this.